Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is June 6th, and this is the Bruins Beat, presented by FanDuel on CLNS Media. Welcome to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. And it is true. Connor Ryan is not on this episode of Bruins Beat. My God, where'd he go? Stuck in Washington, D.C. But I decided, you know what? I'm going to let Connor have a vacation, give the voice a rest. And on this episode, we get a new voice, Scott McLaughlin, WEEI and host of the Skate Podcast on. And it was a fresh perspective, which is nice. So Scott and I uh, talked the recent news about Tyler Bertuzzi and Boston uh, saying that they're doing whatever it takes or they want to do what it takes to keep Tyler Bertuzzi. So we get into, well, what exactly is that? (laughs) And then we also get into what needs to change. It's a big question, but what needs to change with this team? We had a long conversation um, about that, which I think all of you listeners are kind of thinking the same thing of like, what what needs to change with this team? Everybody has uh, their own solution. So Scott and I, get into that in this episode. So I won't keep you waiting anymore. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Scott McLaughlin. And we're here with Scott McLaughlin. Scott, what is up? Not much, Evan. Uh, How's everything going with you? Good. It is. Uh, it's a different thing for the viewers to see uh, you instead of Connor Ryan. Connor is okay. He is. He is. Uh, he is just down in Washington D.C. Figured I'd give uh, his voice a week off. And it's been a little while since you've come on, Scott. So I'm happy to have you back and your Bruins hot takes and uh, everything that that came from this roller coaster of a of a season to the, to the postseason. So I'm excited to to get your take on a lot of different things because yeah, it's been a pretty crazy. Right. What- what is Run. Connor doing? Is he like trying to buy the commanders or something? What is he running for president? I think he yeah. might be running for president. Kicking um, off his uh, 2024 campaign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, he's running on a, a pro Bruins platform. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know what he's doing down there. I saw I think he was at a Nationals game and I think he was in New York the weekend before. So he was doing all those cool things. And you how have you been uh, buying your time since the Bruins season ended? What have you been doing? Anything cool? Uh, well, right after the season ended, I moved over to Celtics coverage, uh, was hoping that would be a little bit longer of a run, but you know, they, they get knocked out in, in game seven to Miami. So 
that kept me busy for a couple more weeks and you know now turn the page just i was up in maine for a bachelor party this past weekend and you know now starting to uh turn the page to bruins off season and draft later this month and then start a free agency so a little bit of downtime here though yeah, a little bit of downtime uh, before the NHL draft comes in uh, this late June. And it's in Nashville, which is nice. But the Bruins, as of right now, don't have a first or second round pick. Uh, but there was a little bit of news. Right now, it's like we're, you know, when like no, no water's coming out of the faucet and you're like looking for drops, you're just like, oh, another drop, another drop. That's kind of like what the Bruins offseason is right now uh, as we wait. By the way, before we get into Bruins stuff, do you have a Stanley Cup pick? Uh, I picked Vegas before the series started, so I'll I'll stick with that. Yeah, I, I, I think they're a little bit more of a complete roster. And I kind of if it becomes like a little bit of a more open series, like Florida probably wants to play, I kind of trust Cassidy more to maybe get things locked in defensively enough, uh, you know, to to get by. And uh, it, it's tough to bet against Florida, you know, with how how they've been rolling. But Vegas, uh, you know, gets gets the one oh lead. So I uh, feel pretty good about that pick. Yeah, I had Vegas in seven. I just think I think Florida will make it obviously a tough series, but I think Vegas. Uh, I, the you know what I went back to uh, Connor and I talked about this on Poke the Bear. The layoff, the layoff for Florida, I think will kind of play an impact. Just you look at how hot that Florida team was, and then they kind of just stopped for a little while. Yeah. And I think that that aside from the stylistic stuff, I think could make a difference. And um, I wasn't surprised to see Vegas win game one, but I wouldn't be surprised if Florida won game two. So. Um, interesting series. I saw someone on Twitter said like, should Bruce Cassidy, you know, should they hold a parade for Bruce Cassidy in the streets of Boston? And I thought the idea of that would just be hysterical. Uh, I almost want to see it just for the memes, uh, that would come from that. But, uh, we did get a piece of Bruins news, a little bit of Bruins news, um, in Elliot Friedman's recent column, uh, saying that Boston is exploring what it must do to keep Tyler Bertuzzi which is kind of the one free agent that everyone seems to be like, Hey, the Bruins should do whatever it takes to, to get him. So Scott, what must the Bruins do? Because it's not just signing him. They're going to have to clear some space to do it. Yeah, they're, they're going to have to move out some some salary, move out some contracts. And, you know, I think everyone's ideal situation is like, oh, well, trade away Derek Forward and Mike Riley, and that's $6 million that can go to Bertuzzi. And it's like, well, okay, but you got to find a taker. And not sure that's really going to be out there. You know, teams had multiple chances to grab Mike Riley without giving up anything when he was on waivers this past season. Uh, didn't happen. It is only one year left, but I still don't know how many teams are going to be, you know, chomping at the bit to to pay three million a year for for this season. Same with Forbury. Like obviously he played more, and, and you saw his value at the NHL level. But I think a lot of teams are going to feel like they can find their own Derek Forbury for cheaper than three million dollars. So I don't think it's going to be a huge market for those guys. So now you start looking at. Matt Grizzly, who probably has a little more value, has played a top four role, has shown he can, you know, be successful next to someone like a Charlie McAvoy. So he could play higher up in teams' lineups. Taylor Hall has two years left at six million a year. I would be really interested to see what his trade market's like. Um, you know, because he he had a good postseason. So the the latest impression in people's minds is positive. But that's still, you know, a lot of money for a guy who's at this point, basically a middle six forward, not really a top liner anymore. And he's in his 30s. Uh, I think the most appealing contract to other teams, if we're looking at, okay, how can the Bruins free up five to six million is Linus Allmark, who is going to win the Vezina Trophy later this month. Um, 
you know, I, I'll be really curious about to see if the Bruins, you know, if we hear that they're seriously exploring trading Elmark or what the market looks like. I think there's always teams that can use goaltending and $5 million for, you know, next two years for reigning Vezina trophy winner, despite his, his hiccups in the playoffs. Like that's not a bad contract at all. I think there are teams that would absolutely be interested and the Bruins could probably get something pretty good for him. So I kind of look to that as like, you know, trade from a position of strength to, to shore up a position elsewhere. And that seems like uh, something that could potentially be how this plays out. If, if the Bruins really want to keep Tyler Bertuzzi. You're forgetting that if they could trade Mike Riley, they just put him in the package for Connor Bedard to Chicago. You can right. get him off your hands that easy. It's so simple. Um, you hit it there at the end with Olmark and Hall. I think those are the two that you kind of have to circle. I don't know how they bring back Bertuzzi and also have Taylor Hall. I don't know how that works. Um, I don't, you know, again, like you look at how bad that cap situation is. Wing right now is a possession of depth. And I think you don't have a ton going down the middle. At least, uh, you know, your number one center for Trish Bergeron doesn't come back. And you kind of have to take from the area where you have some depth. And as you as you said, Taylor Hall's in his 30s now. Bertuzzi plays a little bit more of a Bruins style of hockey. He's younger, does have some, has had some injury issues in the past. He had like three this year. I know he had a hand and a wrist injury um, this past season. So I, you know, I like Bertuzzi, I want to kind of get into the whole idea of signing him because I really liked what he brought this postseason. I really liked it, really liked it. But there's that pessimistic part of me that's like, if they sign him to, I'm always weary of free agents to a long-term deal, five years, let's say 6.1 million, let's say. It feels like that's his value. I know there have been projections that have been way less that I was kind of shocked by. But I don't know. There's a part of me that's worried. I can't really back it up aside from the injuries that he would be almost like another Matt Bolesky or um, a guy who kind of raises some red flags, doesn't produce like he did in the postseason. I mean, you remember Charlie Coyle in the 2019 playoffs was – an incredible, you know, producer and and did a lot of good things. And he's done those things since just really not to the level that I think the Bruins have wanted from him. Um, Is there a chance? I mean, there is obviously a chance, but how high are the chances that a guy like Bertuzzi doesn't live up to what kind of the expectations he set during this playoff run? Yeah, it's always possible, but I think for me, the fact that we have already seen him do it in the playoffs as, as a Bruin uh, helps alleviate some of those concerns. You know, it, the fact that he has a 30 goal, 60 point season on his resume on a team that wasn't very good. Like that shows me, okay, like he doesn't have to be, you know, he doesn't have to have a David Posnock on his line to, to put up points. He did it in Detroit with, you know, Dylan Larkin, who's really good, but not, you know, putting up a hundred points a year. Uh, so, you know, I trust Bertuzzi a little bit more. There are questions about his defense and we saw that pop up in the playoffs. Like he, he loses too many board battles coming out of his own zone or mishandles pucks coming up the boards. So they would have to work on that. And I think you get him, you know, into a better defensive system with better defensive coaching and he can still learn some of that. And, you know, he's never going to win a Selkie, but like David Pasternak, for instance, is a player who has become passable defensively. Like, you know, Jake DeBrusque is another. Yeah, exactly. Jake DeBrusque has definitely gotten better defensively. So 
those things can still improve. Um, but yeah, to me, what I like about the idea of bringing Bertuzzi back is one, he scored the kind of goals that the Bruins had struggled to score in the playoffs in recent years, which is dirty goals in tight inside ice, net front, getting to those areas and finishing when he gets there. Uh, that's something that the Bruins have missed too often. So I like that. And then also the age and what the contract would look like, I think lines up, say Bergeron does retire. And to me, you're looking at no matter how you slice it, there's some sort of reset for the Bruins. Like they're not going to go into next season as Stanley cup favorites if Bergeron retires. So yeah, you can still be a playoff team, but like realistically, you're not going in thinking it's totally win now or bust. Like, no, you're starting to plan a little bit longer term versus just the, the short term. And Bertuzzi, if you're signing him to a five, six year deal, now bridges those bridge years or whatever you want to call them, gap years. And he's still with you on the other side. And he's still in his early 30s at that point, pretty much in his prime. So that kind of lines up better time wise than you know, say Taylor Hall, who I like what he's brought to the Bruins and he had a good postseason as well, but he's already in his thirties. He has two years left and it's like, okay, well, what if those two years are, you know, all right, we're squeaking into the playoffs, but not really ready to go on deep runs yet. There's a little bit of a retool happening. And it's like, okay, well then how valuable is Taylor Hall for those two years? Like the fact that you would have Tyler Bertuzzi on the other side of that, uh is appealing to me so i would still i would definitely be doing what the bruins are doing according to elliot freeman which is exploring ways to keep him um because i do think it would benefit them more uh in terms of like bigger picture longer term plans than just keeping the guys that they already have um and even if it, if it means trading away a hall or allmark that's i'm fine with that because again those guys only have two years left and might not might not be here when the Bruins are truly ready to contend again. Exactly. And I mean, you even look at next season, like, right, let's say they trade Hall and Bertuzzi, come, they, they re-sign Bertuzzi, right? The top six, if nothing else changes, which I think there will be change, but if nothing else does, you got Marshand, I put an X in the middle as the center one because we don't know what that is yet. DeBrusque, Bertuzzi, Zaka, Pasternak. Let's just say the lines stay similar. You're competing. You're not winning, a, you know, you're not a Stanley Cup favorite there. But you are competing. You're still in the mix. Um, the other thing on on Hall, and this is why I want them to go the Bertuzzi route and try to deal a guy like Hall. They don't have many assets on this roster that are getting them picks or prospects. And I know that shouldn't be the main focus, but it should be a focus because you know. And we, I was all in on Sweeney going all in this past season. Like, put the chips to the middle of the table, go for it. But now you got to deal with the consequences of that, which is a product of it, right? You got no first or second round pick this year, no first or second round pick next year. You have to get back into the first or second round either this year or next year. And, you know, I think a guy like Hall could potentially help you do that. Omar could potentially help you do that um, if you decide to go that route, right? If you want to deal Hall and free up cap relief, teams know you're over the barrel in terms of cap stuff. But I also think, you could probably get some picks back. I mean, does he, do you think Hall gets a first or it's more second, third round type play? Yeah, this is what's so hard to tell with to him. me. Like my, my gut instinct is 
it might be a second. Like and you, you might be fortunate to take that because like on the surface, it's like, yeah, of course, Taylor Hall should still be worth a second round pick. But as I mentioned earlier, like two years left at 6 million a year for a winger in his thirties, really that market, you're looking at contenders. You're looking at teams that might feel like Taylor Hall helps put them over the top yep. and, you know, are more focused on the, on the short term, the next couple of years than four or five years down the road. So you're already taking out a bunch of the league that, you know, just isn't interested in that type of player because they're not there in terms of their own building. So now you're like, okay, you're looking at the contenders, but it's a $6 million a year salary. And a lot of contenders like the Bruins have cap issues. So how are they freeing that up? So I know, you know, people have tried to float something like, you know, Taylor Hall going back to Edmonton and Ryan Nugent Hopkins's name pops up for the Bruins. Cause he's a center. And it's like, I mean, maybe, but that that's obviously like a massive blockbuster type deal. And, and Edmonton can't do it without giving up someone like a Nugent Hopkins. Like they couldn't, you know, they couldn't just give the Bruins a first round pick for him because then they have all their own salary cap headaches. So there's a lot that, that goes into it. And, and the fact that, you know, that there isn't probably isn't a contender out there who can just squeeze in $6 million makes me think, you know, they might not get a first for him. But I still think, you know, right situation, you can maybe find a second or a B-level prospect, maybe not quite like a blue-chip A-level guy, but he should still have some value. It's just a matter of how many teams are really going to be able to to be in the market for him. And also, I think he carries some name recognition. I think there are still general managers out there who are like, we're getting Taylor Hall. You know, like I still think there's that element of it as well. Um, I think Edmonton's more of a fit for someone else on this roster. We'll get to that in a sec. So Scott, you and I have not had a chance to discuss this. Uh, We didn't get to discuss it after uh, what happened in game seven. Uh, We haven't talked about it since. What needs to change? What needs to change with this team? And uh, I want to bring your voice in on this because, you know, Connor and I have discussed this at length and I think a fresh perspective is needed on this. I think there's a lot of elements. People want to see Montgomery fired and they want to see the goaltending tandem broken up and they want to see you know, Bergeron and Krejci retire. And I think there's merit to all of those things. I don't think they're all, I don't think, you know, firing Montgomery is essentially the move. I think you got to give him a chance to learn, but the other stuff I'm interested in, I mean, what, what do you think needs to change this off season? And, and, and what do you think actually happens? Well, I, I think, know that's a know, big, once, I know that's a big question that doesn't yeah. really like, there's, there's not really a focus of it, but we can kind of hit on all the little branches of it. So I, I wouldn't change the coach because I, I do think Jim Montgomery is a good coach and yes, he struggled in the playoffs and made mistakes, but I think you give him a chance to learn from that. He has won at every other level he's been at. Uh, if you're going younger in the next couple of years, like he has worked with and developed young players in the past. So I'm keeping Jim Montgomery. I think what needs to change is they got better stylistically this year in terms of starting to score, you know, more goals inside, like their high danger chances, high danger goals went up. They got defense more involved. I think in the playoffs you saw, obviously they struggled against a team that was better on the four check and was one of the best teams all year long. 
on the forecheck and generating off the forecheck. And I think the Bruins, Don Sweeney addresses at the deadline, said he wanted to, you know, he was looking for players who would create anxiety on the forecheck was the term he used. And I think they started to get a little better at that, but there's still room to improve there. Um, you know, if you look at like the analytics of how they graded out forechecking wise, like they were, they're slightly above average in the NHL at creating offense off the forechecks. So yeah, it's great to be a team that's good in transition and gets clean entries and all that. But come playoffs, a lot of times you have to be able to simplify and create chances, you know, just kind of the old fashioned, straightforward, get in and hit someone way. And they can definitely still improve that way. And defensively, I think they have a good defensive system. It was there all year long. I think what you saw in the playoffs is they're a little too slow to, to simplify. And, you know, you watch Florida throughout these playoffs and it's like, there is nothing complicated about that breakout. Like a lot of times it is just flip it out into the neutral zone. And, it's old and school as different. anything. Oh yeah. my God. Off the and, glass and, like, and out. I'm not saying like, that's what you have to do to win because I think there's, there's a ton of value in be, being able to break out cleanly with possession but when that's not going well and, you know, you're getting hit and your defensemen are turning the pucks over and making poor decisions, I think just being quicker to adapt and say, all right, we're going to simplify. We're going to flip it out. We're going to go glassing out, whatever it takes, and then be able to go win some of those battles in the neutral zone. Um, so being able to simplify more stylistically is, I think, something that should be a focus for them. So, you know, look for for players who can play that way, which is why I think, again, I, I do think Bertuzzi's good on the forecheck. Like, not that he's hammering guys. He's not as big as, you know, a Matthew Kachuk, but he, he'll get in there and, like, he can make stuff happen, force turnovers. So he, he also puts pucks into a good spot. We saw that at times. Like, he's a guy who, you know, he can put it in a spot where his teammate can go in and, and be in a good spot on the forecheck. So uh, I would say stylistically, like, that's it. And then bigger pitcher – I don't think, I don't think there's a ton. Like I'm not, you know, Don Sweetie couldn't have done any more. He's a guy who last summer at this time we were wondering if his job's in jeopardy or should have been in jeopardy. I think he he had a really strong year, so you give him a chance to kind of now see through this next era of change or whatever it is. Um, you know the the goalie situation is fascinating to me because I do think if you're not trading away Linus Allmark and Allmark and Swayman are both back. Like either you have to be more willing to rotate in the playoffs and ride like what got you there all season long, or you have to pick your number one earlier and like ramp up their workload. Because I think you saw this year, like ramping up Allmark's workload in round one didn't work. Now I know he was dealing no. whether it was an injury or he's hurt or, or whatever you want to say, Obviously, something was going on physically, but that was he had gone months. He had gone since November without playing four games in a row. You you can't just flip that switch, you know, six months later, come playoffs. Like that's that's tough. So I, I think their whole approach to goaltending, one direction or another, like pick away, either decide your number one earlier and start to ramp up their workload so they're ready to go, or if you have a rotation that's working, be willing to use that in the playoffs, even though all the hockey traditionalists tell you, you can't do that. And it's weird. And then no one does it or whatever. 
It's like, well, I don't know if you have a historically great goalie rotation, maybe you're the team that does it. And also, again, like to me, the only reason I bring those guys back is if they want to commit to the goaltending tandem. If they are going to say, hey, Linus is going to be number one, Swayman number two. I don't understand the point of having both because yeah. you're too cap constrained, obviously in a perfect world, which you had last year. It's awesome. Like that's, that's great. And it works out really well. And you have a historic regular season that you throw away in seven games in the playoffs. But at the same time, like you don't have that luxury next year. You can't do that. If you bring those guys back in a tandem and Swayman's making somewhere just North of 4 million and Omar's making his five and you're putting over $9 million in your net, you're going to have to, trim fat on the wings or on D and you're going to be a dip, you know, you're, you might not be as good next season and that's, that's fine. But I think there's better ways to add to this team. And I also look at Olmark as an asset, a huge trade asset. I think you can get something legitimate for him. You know, if you want to, if you really wanted picks or prospects, maybe that's your route. As you said, though, that's kind of a tough part because teams don't have the room for just 6 million for Hall to come in. And I don't know if, a lot of teams have just five million sitting there for Olmark to come in. So I think if you re- if, if Bergeron retires and you want to try to get a top six center, I think Olmark might get you there. Now, I mean, I've I've looked out west. I mean, you look at like LA could use a goalie, Edmonton could use a goalie, Vegas could use a goalie. Um, now again, I you know like in Edmonton, are you getting McDavid or Drysaitel? No, you're not getting McDavid or Dreisaitl under any circumstances, right? And, you know, Nugent Hopkins has been the name floated around. He's a weird one to me because last year felt like such an outlier. 101 points, I think, or 110 um, after seasons with not a ton of points and some injuries in there. And I just didn't, I don't know. I don't know if that's the route you want to take with a guy like him. Or if you'd rather go for, I mean, again, like LA, I don't know if, you know, you're not getting Philip Deneau. For for Omar, they just signed him long term. But I do think you want to make a real hockey trade. I mean, do you have any names off the top of your head, or or teams, or uh, ways or things you'd get for Omar? Well, a couple come. So Calgary's goaltending was a mess all year. Uh, Getting the Swayman and Vladard tandem back together, baby. (laughs) It's yeah, it's tough. But you know, if they decide like they're just moving on from Jacob Markstrom. Uh, they don't believe he's going to bounce back or whatever. They could be one. And Elias Lindholm is a, is a good center who has one year left on his deal. So try to make that trade, get an extension done. Winnipeg's another one you look at where, you know, supposedly like everyone's available there and, you know, including potentially Connor Hellebuck. So I don't know if they, if they're trading Connor Hellebuck to me, that means like you're just accepting a step back and, and you're, you know, you're probably not spending a ton on goaltending right now, but if they wanted to replace him with Allmark or whatever, uh, you know, Pierre Luc Dubois and Mark Shifley are two centers who I think each have one year left, or maybe Dubois is a restricted free agent or, or something. Um, He's on know, like his fifth fifth team in <laughs> five years. <laughs> yeah, on a bunch of teams. I mean. But I, I like Dubois. Like I, I like his game, and I, I feel it. And he's the age where it's like, okay, he could come here and really grow into your number one center. Shifley worries me a little bit more because he's he's been around. He's a veteran. He's you know either twenty nine or like turning thirty, and he straight up does not play defense. And like to me, that'd be such a huge change for the Bruins to go from like having Bergeron as your number one center for all those years 
and even Krejci, you know, who's not not winning Selkies, but plays defense to all of a sudden like Shifley's the guy who's going to, you know, he's going to lead your team. Like, I feel like you start to look, you start to look like Winnipeg in that situation where, you know, if your number one center isn't playing defense like that, that puts you in a hole and it really limits what you can do defensively as a team. So I don't love him as much, but either Dubois or, or Elias Lindholm are names I like. I don't know if Allmark is what gets you them or what the interest level is, but um, those, those are just ones that come to mind. Um, but yeah, Nugent Hopkins, you're right. Like I'd be worried that you're buying at his absolute highest point, kind of the same way I was worried. Like if they, if last off season, if, you know, Bergeron and, and crazy weren't coming back, everyone, including me, likes throwing out the name Nazem Kadri. But like, realistically, it's like, like you're signing him until his late thirties and he's coming off the best season of his career that has the potential of like really not looking good in a few years. So I would have some of those same concerns about Nugent Hopkins for sure. Yeah. And Lindholm makes the most sense out of all of those. I think, um, you know, you just, as you said, the contract makes sense, play some defense, like can be a number one center if you need him to be maybe a prove me type contract with a year left. So like that to me makes a little more sense. Dubois I worry about just with wanting to be in Montreal and the links there. Uh, but as you're, as you said, like, Fits a Bruin. Like if he really did become a number one center and was a team guy and impressionable, like that could work. Um, but again, I think a lot hinges on that. Um, Krejci feels like is re- is going to retire, just the feel um, in terms of that. But with Bergeron, I mean, if he did come back, I think the Bruins still get good production out of him and, you know, a serviceable center. But there's part of me, there's a good part of me that continues to say, Scott, You've got to figure out what's next. You've got to figure out what's next. And yes, the salary cap is not your friend this offseason. It hasn't been in recent seasons, but I feel like forever, for the last three or four years, we've been saying if you can come back, you know, come back and kind of kick the can down the road, you know, give yourself an extension. It's like a, a paper in high school that you keep asking for like an extension on because you're just like, and I, I don't feel like finishing this now. I want to finish it later. Finish it now. And I'm not saying he should leave. He, he, he's, he'd be a huge addition. He's, you, you know, you're the face of your franchise. But I'm really curious what they would do to replace him in terms of a number one center. Not so much the captaincy, but as a number one center. Um, I mean, do you think any move, if he comes back, do you think they do anything to get another top six center in the mix? Well, I actually kind of hope it's not like we have to do whatever it takes. You know, those names we just mentioned, I think if there's a trade for a player like that that makes sense or, or someone else that, you know, we're not thinking of right now, great. Like, absolutely find a trade that makes sense uh, and, and try to get your your number one center that way. But if nothing makes sense, like, I'm not going crazy giving up more picks, prospects, or a oh, top yeah. player off my roster, like, I'm okay with taking, accepting a little bit of a step back saying, you know what, let's see how next season goes with Zaka slotting in as our probably de facto number one center Coyle's going to have to play in the top six and, you know, say it's Trent Frederick or maybe Georgie Merkelov's ready, like for number three center, whatever it looks like. Let's see how that goes for a while and reassess as we get closer to the trade deadline. Um, because I do think they have 
you know, for, for a few years, like they didn't have any center prospects and it was like, what are they doing? Like it was Stednika, you know, it was Stednika and nobody else. And Johnny Beecher, but then, you know, he doesn't really develop the way you're hoping. So, but now it's like you have a Merkulov who just had a really good year in the AHL. Matthew Potra had an excellent season in the OHL, your second round pick from last year. Like now you at least have some options where it's like, okay, they might become something. No guarantees. Brett Harrison too. But yeah, it's like those guys might be top six guys someday. So I'm not, I'm not giving up the moon for, you know, a 29 year old top six center now when that still might be, might not be enough for me to win right now. So, you know, it's not, I don't think fans love the idea of like bridge years or retools or any of that. But to me, I would be okay with it if, if Bergeron and Krejci both retire and there's just not a trade out there that makes sense for you, like accept the step back, see what you have. If you're in, if you're a playoff team getting towards the deadline, things are going pretty well. You see what's on the trade market. You know, Bo Horvat got traded last year. Like, and I know that was early. That was well before the deadline, but like, who knows? Someone like that shakes free. You make a move in season that helps turn you into a cup contender again. Like, I, I don't need to get it done this offseason um, if there's not something that makes sense. Yeah, I'm all, I'm with you. Don't deal away picks, more picks and prospects. Like, that's just, you've done enough of that. If there is something though that's realistic and makes sense for a guy like Olmark though, and it frees up some a little bit of cap or you know something for Hall that does the same thing, I'm for that. Um, but you're right. Before we sign off, before we go quickly, the Panthers making that hockey trade with Matthew Kachuk to get Matthew Kachuk last year, helping the Stanley Cup final this year. Is there any guy on this roster that is a real hockey trade? I mean, maybe aside from an Olmar, I mean, is there a hockey trade out there to be made that would change the identity of this team that makes them a potential candidate to do some damage next postseason. I mean, I think we kind of already touched on, but it, it's likely it would be trading all Mark for a number one center. Um, just, you know, like you can see how that potentially makes sense where another team gets a Vezina caliber goalie. You still have good goaltending. You still feel pretty good with Swayman as your one. And whether it's Brandon Bussey or, veteran free agent X who comes in to be the backup, like you would still feel pretty solid and you've now got, you know, your number one center. So you're staying competitive. You've filled what would have been your biggest hole. So that to me would, would be that kind of deal. Um, you know, I don't really think it's for a wing. They're not targeting wings. I would be interested if, you know, if they at all tr- look at left, defense because say you're potentially you know you're probably not re-signing Dmitry Orlov I just don't think that's gonna work out in terms of what he's looking for and what the Bruins are able to do if you're potentially trading away Matt Grizzlick in another move to free up salary like whether it's now or in season or whenever you're ready to con- contend again like left defense is another spot that seems like they always have to address and they would need another top four defenseman behind Hampus Lindholm so that would be another one I'd look at as like, you know, everyone thinks, all right, if you're trading an Allmark or even a Taylor Hall, like you're looking for a center, but like sneaky could once again be looking for a left shot defenseman who they've acquired two really good ones last trade deadline, but 
one's likely leaving and Matt Grizzlick. We just don't know what his future is going to be, if he's going to get traded or if they still view him as a top four defenseman. It doesn't doesn't really seem like they do because they keep trying to trade for and add guys who can supposedly be upgrades over him. So, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Interesting offseason, though. It should be interesting, at least. Uh, Scott, what can people look forward to from you over at WEI.com and the Skate Podcast? Yeah, so we're still recording the Skate Podcast throughout the offseason, uh, at least, you know, hopefully one, two a week. So those will be up regularly, and uh, we'll have plenty of coverage, you know, leading up up to the draft, free agency, all that stuff at, uh, right at WEI.com. Always a pleasure, Scott. Thank you for joining. And for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners, have a great rest of your week.